Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Call 0430-513-433 for more information. The Australian Plant Society Yarra Yarra is a 3CR supporter. Tracia would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. Tracia pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognize their unceded sovereignty. This is Tracia Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8:30am. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. With myself, George, and I am. Yes. And before that, we you were listening to the radio, Radioactive show, which had a great episode um, commemorating uh, the anniversary of... Uh, uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and they had some advocates and survivors talking about uh, what we need to do to end <sighs> nuclear mm. conflicts yes. in this world. So that's a pretty important episode to tune into. So thanks to the Radioactive Show for that. We've got a big day, big show planned today. We do. We have an incredible show. Um, last week we did say that we were going to have... Um, Liz Costella, who is from WIRE, so that's the um, Women's Information Referrals Exchange. Yeah, Exchange. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, is it Exchange now? Is that with Exchange? WIRE, where we used to volunteer at. Yeah, WIRE. Oh, Exchange. You know what? I never knew the acronym. I don't really think about <laughs> the acronym too much. Hey? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Liza is coming on to talk about Centrelink. So. If you're someone who is on Centrelink and you're someone also who is in a vulnerable situation, um, tune in at 7.45 where she'll talk about how to navigate that system and also about emergency payments, Yeah, some helpful questions that people would love answered. That sounds very interesting and very important. And we'll also be talking to... Caroline Framada, who is the Executive Director of Women with Disabilities Australia. And Caroline is joining us to talk about a report that has been recently published and sent to the UN uh, to basically start the conversation around uh, the access to services for people with disabilities in Australia and what needs to be done to, uh, I guess, provide better services in this area, so also a very important conversation. Yeah, and later, so around 8.10, which is uh, towards the end of the show, um, and I say this because this episode will be turned into a podcast, so if you do miss out bits of the show, um, you can catch it as a podcast. So at around 8.10, we'll be hearing um, this really... Um, this really important interview that Tony Morrison 
um, did. So it's a seven-minute clip, and she basically answers a question about why she doesn't center white characters in her stories. So um, Toni Morrison, as you know, um, passed away last week. So we will remember her, remember her leg- legacy and the types of books that we've read and just the impact that she's had on our life. So that's definitely something to tune into um, for awesome. later. And the other thing that we will be sharing with you earlier in the show will be a little section of Sally Goldner's Out of the Pan program, which is on Sundays, and we'll be sharing with you a conversation she had around a new project called We Deserve. Mm. But firstly, yes, tune. Yes, let's get right. some tune. Who, who are we playing? I love, I love the people that you select. <laughs> so this is Jess B, and it's called Set It Off. I think a good song to get us started today. While she uploads her song, let's hear some CSAs. We'll be right back. The Australian Plants Expo is a huge native plant fair with displays, books, garden pots, giftware and activities for children, along with talks, demonstrations, workshops, refreshments and door prizes. The Australian Plants Expo, Saturday the 14th and Sunday the 15th of September. 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Eltham Community and Reception Centre, 801 Main Road, Eltham. Adults $5, concessions $4 and children free. Contact Australian Plant Society Yarra Yarra via email on apsyarrayarra at gmail.com or call 0430 513 433 for more information. The Australian Plant Society Yarra Yarra is a 3CR supporter. Return playing the Tote Boundroom Sunday, September 1st. Having completed an 11-city Japanese tour, they now launch their Japanese release album along with US split vinyl. Very special guests are Japanese label mates 20 Gilders, featuring Mitsuru Tabata of Acid Mother's Temple, Light Magnetic, the new band with members from The Scientist and Paradise Motel, plus competition team. Broadband, the Tote, Sunday, September 1st, Tickets ten dollar presale from the Tote Hotel. Tasumuan Records is a three CR supporter. Have me feeling criminal, have me feeling pitiful I ain't never been 
I ain't your typical. But I'm here and proud of me and shit, but it's a miracle. I keep climbing past these limits, climbing through the pinnacle. And I'm here and proud of me and shit, but it's a miracle. For my sister, can you see? We've been gold our souls, women. Now I told you, can you see? Melanin, my deep. Now I'm just hoping you can see that there's a queen up in the mirror getting clearer. Can you see? Uh-uh. Now tell me what you wanna do. We a product of the man, but how you act is on you. If you wanna run with me, get information one, two. We gon' keep knocking on doors until we finally push through. Yeah, that my tried and true. We just tryna rendezvous. I'm just tryna follow through. Live my dreams like deja vu. I told you I was cold. I am the shit that's overdue. And if you volunteering contributes to a happier life? Want to know what you can do to make a difference in your local community of Whittlesea? Whittlesea Community Connections hold a volunteer information session every month. It is a friendly session where you get to meet others and be linked to not-for-profit organisations. Contact Michelle from Whittlesea Community Connections on 94016630 or visit our website www.whittleseacc.org.au to find out more. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Tuesday Brekkie on 3CR with myself, George, and Ayan. On the line, we have regular news reporter, Chris Woods. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, guys. How are you both? We're good. We're fantastic. We're just having a bit of Milo in the the studio. (laughs) Ah, uh, terrific. I wish I could be there in person. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, it's been a, um, a fairly massive week, in especially international news. Right. Um, as, as we kind of spoke a bit, a bit about last week, the, the province of Kashmir in, mm. in India has been well and truly, I guess, annexed is the word. They, it's had a special, service, special status revoked, and this has meant that not only has it lost a great deal of self-independence like, and it's I think it's now the most uh, mili- one of the most militarized zones on earth, Indian mm. with Indian soldiers. But it's also had communication cut off. It just means that a lot of people uh, in you know can't contact relatives. No, you know, there's all the questions of what's happening in Kashmir at the moment because in- India's released a few photos of people, but it's it's very like um, 
you know, relatives and, and friends and family cannot contact, contact people in this region now. Um, it's also meant that there's been there's been quite a few protests around Australia. It's, it's a complex kind of situation. There are some, like a lot of people are, are bemoaning this, um, this uh, but some, some people are excited. To, some people think that they might be able to return home now. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, it's um, but yeah, it, it, sorry, it, it's it's complicated. Um, but it's uh, yeah, there's there's some people who think you know you, you'd have to go back to the nineties to fully to fully understand what's happened. But it is a crackdown on um, on on human rights and especially around EID, which is a um, a, a um, which is a you know it, 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 it's a Muslim holiday. They banned uh, loud large congregations around Australia. Um, so the, and not just Australia. Sorry, uh, I could catch me. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, questions over human rights mm-hmm. at the moment. It's, it's very complicated. But um, going a little a little you know somewhere else. Uh, there's been. Uh, massive protests in Hong Kong has continued. Um, they've shut down, I think, one of the world's airports at the moment. They've, it, it's going on to the tenth week, I think. Um, it, this this all started about ten weeks ago when the, an extradition bill was introduced in Hong Kong, which I believe now is suspended. But the protests are ongoing amidst a lot of concerns over police uh, brutality. There are concerns that you know some a, a woman I think may have. Being injured, almost had a, her eye damaged. Um, it might be removed. We're not sure, but um, it's been really like it, it's really led to a, a, a real escalation. And yeah, so it, it, flights to Hong Kong are cancelled. If anyone, if anyone is being going to Hong Kong, um, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the two two big international stories domestically, and especially for people in Melbourne. A lot of a lot of our listeners. Uh, we might soon be, this is a bit, a little bit lighter, uh, we might soon be getting a different kind, finally getting a different kind of bin because we've, we've had this recycling crisis the last, uh, the last 15 months, I think, since China banned, uh, taking exports from Australia. Um, we've kind of, Australia's kind of been making it up as we go. We really, it's kind of crazy we were exporting our trash for so long, but, we, um, we kind of flooded areas of Southeast Asia with this trash for a long time, places like uh, Taiwan, I, um, I think possibly Malaysia. I'd have to double check, but a lot of places that we were just like, we're paying to take our trash. Um, now we've, I think, the uh, Prime Minister has announced like a deadline, which, you know, we we're going to have to do anyway, but uh, to stop exporting, we have to develop a domestic recycling industry. How um, we do have, Victoria's also had a recycling company go bust because there's been a lot of fires and I mean it's fires across Victoria. It's been wild. Um so we've been especially screwed because we've lost someone who was dealing with like I think half of our recycling. Um so there's been some funds announced, there's there's been some there's kind of a few, you know, things up in the air at the moment, but I think people are gonna A try and look to Victoria at least and try and get people recycling better. So like having things for soft soft plastic recycling, like plastic bags, stuff like that. And hopefully green recycling as well, which is like food waste. Victoria doesn't have. I think we're one of the least efficient in Australia. New South Wales is a very efficient recycling program. But, um, yeah, I think Victoria, we, re- we really need to kick up the butt. And I think we're going to hopefully see that. There's been, there's been a few state and federal announcements lately. Um, so that's kind of all in the works at the moment. 
It's pretty wild that we've been sending off our recycling to other countries when you yeah, think about yeah, it. It's, no, it's, it's ridiculous. It's very weird yeah. and it's crazy, but like, I mean, of course, eventually people are going to stop taking it. We didn't really have any plans for transition. So mm. we're kind of seeing that build up now and hopefully we'll get something a bit more uh, sustainable going forward. But yeah, Victoria is especially in a poor position, I think, right now. And so is that, that, that's all the main headlines for today? Those are the main stories, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a few other things floating around, but I think those are probably the, the top ones. I'm sorry that was a bit garbled earlier. I, I got locked out of my building. So <laughs> oh, I, no, uh, as you were talking I, to us. Yes. Oh, yeah, no. I, I thought I'd be inside the office by now, but I got my card. Okay. Oh, I'm no. sorry. Completely well, my fault. I get that sorted. Um, have a, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me and, and all the best to today's show. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Thanks, Chris. Chris. Have thank a good you day. Both. Bye. You the Renegade Pub Football League proudly presents its inaugural Pride Round, Painting Victoria Park Rainbow, on Saturday, August 24th. Celebrating diversity in pub football, this free community event offers a laid-back afternoon of gender-inclusive Aussie rules football, alongside DJs and a charity barbecue. Saturday, August 24th, gates open at 12.30. For more information, including pub footies August and September fixture, visit www.rpfl.com.au. The Renegade Pub Football League is a 3CR supporter. Victoria's roadside drug testing program is not about road safety. In last year's governmental inquiry into drug law reform, it was noted that Victoria's RDT program is falling behind on latest evidence regarding impairment. Currently, Victoria Police can charge people for detection of either cannabis, amphetamines or MDMA. But those detections do not correlate with impairment. Impaired drivers should be removed from the roads, and that's why we're urging an inquiry into Victoria's RDT scheme to ensure that the resources that are currently employed to make our roads safer are being properly used to make our roads safer. Help us refocus road safety onto what makes roads safe. Sign the e-petition, parliament.vic.gov.au forward slash council forward slash petitions. And look for the Inquiry into Drug Driving Reform, Petition 117. A 3CR supporter. This is our country. We've never forgotten where we've come from. Or who we are. We keep our culture strong. Now it's time to come together. Talk as equals. And write our own future. This is our country. And this is our time. Treaty is time. Enroll now for the First People's Assembly of Victoria election. Authorised by the Victorian Treaty Advancement Commission, Melbourne. Drink it. 
Goa Day Fiesta is on again on the 24th of August at St. Louis de Montfort Hall in Aspendale. Now in its 17th year, the World Goa Day Fiesta celebrates the rich Goan culture with live bands and a delicious buffet spread. All welcome. Tickets are $50 per adult, $25 for children between ages 5 and 10, and $45 for pensioners. Call or SMS Oscar on 0404-848-345. That's 0404-848-345. The World Goa Day Fiesta is a 3CR supporter.
You're listening to Tuesday Brekkie on 3CR with myself, George, and Diane. So we want to play for you a little interview that Sally Goldner did, and this is from her show on the weekend with Jess from We Deserve, and I'll let them explain what We Deserve is all about. Uh, but for those of you who don't know, Sally Goldner is Tuesday Breakfast favourite, works at TGV, Transgender Victoria, has a weekly show at 3CR out of the pan, does some pretty incredible work. And this is the interview with Jess on We Deserve. project that's emerged out of there, which hits a climax this week, um, um, also um, in partnership with Transgender Victoria, declaring my interest in that, is called We Deserve. And on the line to talk about We Deserve and the launch in particular is the fabulous Jess. Jess, welcome to 3CR. Thank you for having me, Sally. A pleasure, although I think you're no stranger to 3CR from memory from all your community um, input. Um, pro- I'm sure you've been on, this, um, this, on the station somewhere before, I would have thought, I would have guessed. <laughs> I've been on the radio a couple of times, yes. Yeah, I thought you might have been doing, as you've done in a previous endeavour, doing lots of great work at the for LG, um, queer workers, but you've been queer working away on another project called We Deserve, um, which fits under the umbrella of, El- of Rainbow Family Violence. Tell us a little about it, um, the overview first. Yes, of course. Um, as you've heard, um, we are an amazing project that is looking into the primary prevention of family and domestic violence where trans and gender diverse relationships are present. And this really all has kind of come from a place of, yes, the Royal Commission, but a further understanding that intersectionality plays a huge impact on family and domestic violence. And we really need to get down to the core of what are these unique issues that are facing the communities, how does violence manifest, and then how we should be addressing it appropriately. Yep, all, all good thoughts, and you, you, hit, you touch on something there, um, that this is a preventative program. So this is, you know, yes, we need to make sure um, family violence services, including intimate partner violence, are inclusive of all people, including mm-hmm. queer people. But this is looking at prevention, which is a different approach and is important and so so right that you've touched on intersectionality. I, you know, I mean, I acknowledge that I'm a trans and bi person and that can face challenges, but I also acknowledge I'm a white middle class, middle cohort of age, never had a, um, been incarcerated, always had a roof over my head. There's lots of privileges, educated, um, you know, that sort of thing, at least have solid part-time work. Um, you know, there's lots of privilege in there. And, of course, some people who sadly face multi, you know, whilst, of course, all diversity is awesome, society doesn't see it that way at times. So it's really important that we cover that. So um, let's drill through the We Deserve project, um, what did it do and what perhaps what did it uncover and where are we going to head are some questions we could all ask. So just go through the details of it in plain language um, over the course of this project as it reaches its climax um, this week. Yes, so the project has gone for uh, a little bit over 12 months, um, if I'm recalling correctly off the mm-hmm. top of my head, and it has really founded at its core a co-design model. So we have worked very closely to the trans and gender diverse community, undertaken substantial focus groups and interviews with the community and been led through an advisory board um, from the community as well. And what we have found is that 
we are at the starting point of really getting deep into identifying how people define relationships within their community, how those relationship structures are fostered and held dearly. And we're also creating an understanding that people in the community need language and tools to identify what a respectful and deserving relationship looks like without compromise and without having to deal with tension and issues of violence. Yep. No, that's a really important one, and I mean, it's probably worth mentioning um, how the name We Deserve came about, which came out of the first advisory group meeting. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it really came down to a lot of what has happened, and We Deserve is the fundamental underpinning. It is what people in the trans and gender diverse community deserve, and they deserve healthy, respectful, and loving relationships. And that's where the name came from. Yeah, the sad report from that first advisory committee is people struggled, if not largely then totally, to even imagine what respectful relationships of Mm. all sorts would look like, which, you know, is a... You know, I mean, it's a sad but realistic statement of where we're at and we've got to acknowledge it, but the thing that we're doing that is being done here is an effort at turn, you know, um, giving people a positive, <coughs> excuse me, alternative and, you know, sort of um, trying to model that. So um, the, the thing that happened, there was extensive focus groups and research for the first half of the project. Is Was there anything that really leapt out on that one? I think the things that really leapt out was two major kind of points that really resonated with me as well. And that the first one I mentioned briefly was this idea of compromise, this whole concept of how much does one have to compromise about their identity to obtain a respectful relationship. And it's a bit of a paradox, the whole concept that you have to compromise something about yourself to Mm. receive something that's respectful they both don't align. So really hearing the stories from the um, the community about where they've compromised just to try to attain something is really heartbreaking. Yeah. And the other notion that really kind of resonated was the moments of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who are listening to this, if they're trans or diverse or they're questioning, they can relate to the moments of vulnerability in their lives, such as coming out for the first time and how those moments can create tension or potential hardship, especially if people aren't equipped with the correct tools or have the correct language to use in those moments. Yeah, no, it is, it is really important. And a couple of things come to mind for me here and... Um, I remember reading a report, I think I've still got um, the um, the paper version from the 90s in my garage somewhere and one day I'll archive it properly, Uh, but a bit sad, it was a report that trans and gender diverse people often felt coerced into having unsafe sex because of the shortage of people willing to be in any sort of relationship in the first place, which of course sadly Mm. can increase the risk of HIV and um, sexually transmitted infections. But, you know, sort of I hear stories, for example, of trans and gender diverse people who don't, in inverted commas, very big, look male or female enough. So the partner says, well, I want a relationship with you, but we can't be seen in public together, which is 
um, a bit sad. So they're the sort of range of things that sadly can happen when it's not so good. And so how does, um, what's the means and perhaps a little bit of detail, a teaser if you like, <laughs> of how people, of how this um, We Deserve tried to turn things around? Yes, so one of the most underpinning um, feedbacks that we received from the community was they wanted to see positive representation of respectful and deserving relationships. So after some further consultation, we have decided to start putting together um, the first stages of a primary prevention tool, which is a collection of three different short videos some vignettes, as we call them, um, showing aspects of moments where tension or violence could potentially occur, but showing positive resolution and realistic um, expectations of what could happen in those moments, um, providing people a visual representation of what does navigating those moments really look like. Yeah, which shows that it can, you know, it can happen positively. Yes, there might be the proverbial bumps on the road, so to speak, but um, that, um, yeah, that they, they can, it can sort of turn out in a more positive way, yeah, which is really, really important because, well, to use the obvious um, play on words, we deserve it. Um, <laughs> so, yep, um, very, very um, important. And so there's a couple of events this week. There's one on Tuesday, which is more aimed at service providers, but for our trans and gender diverse communities, families, allies, partners, friends. Um, there's a night coming up this Friday. Yes, there is. So this Friday, uh, down at Library at the Dock in Docklands, uh, the doors will be opening at 5 o'clock for a 5.30 start. Uh, we'll have some food available as well. Uh, if you are transgenderverse or questioning, um, if you're a loved one or would like to go and support... Uh, a partner, or if you come from a beautiful rainbow family or, uh, where you have children who are transgender, we encourage all of you plus the broader community to come and be part of that beautiful, realistic representation in these videos and be part of a beautiful facilitated conversation where we can really have that community sense of what do you deserve and what does that look like? Absolutely, we you know we we do deserve, and um, so yep, that's 107 Victoria Harbour Promenade at Library at the Dock. Um, transport there's tram 30 or 48 from the CBD and Victoria Harbour Dockland Station, 130 metres away. Um, what is the stop? Um, Kilometre from Southern Cross on the train. There's some possibly some two-hour parking if you get there just at the right time. Um, sort of say between 4.30 and 5 and then you'll be right till 6.30 and there is a big car park at, um, down on the end of Burke Street. Um, there's gender neutral wheelchair accessible bathroom facilities. Um, there'll be access for those who need it to the upper level performance space, Auslan. Um, and there's also a quiet room, said the HSP. But, um, um, you know, it's, um, but if you do have needs um, and you want to get along, you can um, register. How do we? How do we? How do people register? I should ask. If yeah, they want to go. So <laughs> we encourage people to register, as what Sally said, to make sure that we are catering for everyone's accessibility needs, and to obviously keep you in the loop with future projects or events that happen. To register, all you need to do is jump onto Facebook, 
and go to our Facebook page, We Deserve, and there you'll be able to see all the information for both the Sector Night and the Community Night. Absolutely. The Sector um, event is um, on Tuesday, but the the Community one on Friday night, um, August the 16th, and yeah, um, doors open 5.30, and... Yeah, look, um, well, definitely on here with every hat on, so to speak, I'll be there. So, um, very exciting, um, to see this happen. Um, and yeah, there's, if you have questions that, um, on that event page, um, Theatre of the Deserving Bracket Community Night, close bracket, um, you can get in touch with the hardworking Christy as part of the TGV team, pronouns say them. And I forgot to ask you yours on air. So we should do this, even though it's very belated. Um, Jess, which pronouns do you use, if any? <laughs> they, them, and she, her, please. There we go. So you'll no doubt see Jess on uh, a Friday night if you're there. And now you know which pronouns Jess uses. <laughs> I, I had too much on my mind this morning. Um, I forgot to introduce mine in the intro. Sally Goldner, she, her. Um, I think I need another coffee. All right. Seriously, um, it is, this is, you know, um, it's a very exciting project. There hasn't been a lot of work done on trans and gender diverse family violence. Um, you know, also we should add there will be counselling type of people on hand in case anyone is, um, triggered, so to speak. So it will be very safe and inclusive in lots of ways. But if you have needs or questions, get in touch. Jess, thanks for your time on a Sunday to have a chat about it. Um, very much appreciated. And Thank you well, for having me. An absolute pleasure. And, well, um, Friday night, be there. This is our country. We've never forgotten where we've come from. Or who we are. We keep our culture strong. Now it's time to come together. Talk as equals. And write our own future. This is our country. And this is our time. Treaty. It's time. Enroll now for the First People's Assembly of Victoria election. Authorised by the Victorian Treaty Advancement Commission, Melbourne. We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts and so do we. They're 100% cotton and Australian made and you can get one for just $30. They come in black, dark grey and a cool light grey. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 94198377 or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one. You're listening to, to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. We just heard a great interview from Sally Goldner's show, Out of the Pan, which you can listen to on 3cr.org.au. So we just wanted to mention a couple of things while we have a few minutes to spare. The first is there is a petition uh, to support West Papuan um, sovereignty and self-determination. You can go to the website www.decolonisewestpapua.com decolonisewestpapua.com just to repeat that but we will put that link on our Facebook page and it's basically uh, it's a letter it's a petition uh, because we need the Australian government to support a motion in the 2019 UN General Assembly to register West Papua on the UN decolonisation list so really important issue obviously 
um, really great to support it by putting your name on this if this is an issue that you care about as well. And they need 1.8 million signatures to reach their target. So we'll put that link up. Mm. And we also wanted to acknowledge that uh, I think it was last week they had the National Indigenous Music Awards and there was some pretty incredible winners on the list. So we wanted to congratulate Baker Boy, who won Artist of the Year, and Mojo Juju, who won Album of the Year and Song of the Year, which is pretty cool. (laughs) And also Kate, who won New Talent of the Year. And Briggs, film clip of the year. All yes. the Tuesday breakfast favourites. Look at us. So we put that into the air. Yeah. <laughs> Their hard work did it, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, so we wanted to, yeah, congratulate them and play a track by one of our favourite artists, Mojo Juju, uh, and this one is called Don't Stop Me Now.
Most LGBTIQ people experience positive, intimate, and family relationships. However, like cisgendered heterosexual people, some LGBTIQ people experience abuse and violence in their relationships. With Respect is a new family violence service for LGBTIQ plus Victorians, providing counseling and recovery programs for victims and survivors of family violence and help for people using violence who want to stop. With Respect is a partnership between queer space Thorn Harbour Health, Switchboard Victoria and Transgender Victoria. For more information, visit withrespect.org.au or call 1-800-542-847. With Respect is not a crisis service. If you need immediate help, call 000. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back. You're listening to um, Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. The time is 7.46am um, and on the line we have... Liza Costella. So Liza Costella is from Wire Women's Information and she's here to help us, I guess, navigate Centrelink and make sense of it. So welcome to Tuesday Breakfast, Liza. Thanks very much for having me. So so before we um, get into Centrelink and so on, um, an aspect of family violence is financial abuse. Can you tell us what it is and what are the signs of financial abuse? Yeah, of course. Now, so financial abuse presents in various forms and unfortunately it's something which we hear a lot of um, at WIRE. Um, now, family violence can be broken down um, into to, to various aspects and for financial abuse, that's in three areas. So controlling a family member's money, so stopping um, a family member from earning their own money on, and limiting a family member from accessing money. So I guess if, to give examples of that um, would be, say, one partner taking control of all the, the finances and giving the other partner um, give no access to credit cards or bank accounts and giving them an allowance or 
perhaps you'd see it in the way of um, sort of one partner um, stopping kind of the other from attaining a job or kind of continuing kind of with their job to attend kind of meetings or other things. Mm. And we know Centrelink provides services like services for um, young people, older people, but do they provide um, services for women experiencing family violence slash hardships? Yeah, they definitely do. Um, so Centrelink provides social workers uh, and they can assist with short-term counselling and, and support services in kind of providing those referrals. Um, I think it would be importantly to note that um, they can be useful in kind of cases of family violence when it, attempting to navigate child support. Mm. So what normally happens is if you've got a, a separated um, a, a partnership, um, one parent who's receiving family tax benefit A, uh, they'd be required to uh, obtain a form of, of child support from the other parent um, or their, you know, their partner. Um, and if they weren't to do this, and they wouldn't be eligible you know, for a higher kind of rate of family um, tax benefit part A, so they only get that lowest amount. Mm. In case of family violence, though, Centrelink recognises that potentially um, access, you know, attempting to, to contact or negotiate with that ex-partner would be dangerous or could have not advised, and therefore kind of they're exempt kind of from that protocol, um, and they could be eligible for that higher rate of family tax benefit A. You also mentioned um, social workers. Um, how do you go about obtaining a social worker within Centrelink? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Centrelinks can be kind of reached by phone um, or going in and um, seeing someone face-to-face in the service centres now because they're all across um, Victoria, but there is often quite a long wait if you were to go through that avenue. Mm. Um, yeah, and... Those, those social workers, um, they, you know, they all have social work degrees. Uh, it's free of charge, um, and what they'd be able to do is is provide you know, that short-term counselling, give you more advice about what payments would be suitable in kind of your um, specialised situation, mm. um, and then um, kind of maybe kind of linking you with more appropriate services because that could help in um, your situation. Mm. And is there a crisis hotline? Now, well, there is um, what's called a crisis payment. Um, and if people are attempting to obtain a crisis payment, then they would be getting, um, they would be required to call the help in emergency line. Mm, okay. And you mentioned that there are emergency payments. Um, mm-hmm. Are there also eligibility requirements to receive those payments? Yeah, um, there is. And obviously, um, kind of with any kind of payment or kind of income support, there is kind of quite a detailed um, mm-hmm. eligibility requirements. And as I'm kind of not coming from Centrelink, I'd always kind of refer back you know, to the website or going to MyGov. Mm-hmm. Um, to better kind of get those um, kind of guidelines, but um, kind of in a more kind of general sense, I can say that for crisis uh, attaining kind of crisis payments, its um, its eligibility is for people who are experiencing um, severe um, financial hardship or extreme circumstances. So that includes family violence, um, and it, it requires the people to be. Um, 
um, to have experienced that event mm. and then to have contacted Centrelink with seven days. So there is that caveat. It really yeah. is kind of time sensitive. People need to kind of get on um, and contact Centrelink. If they don't get within the seven days, I think there is some flexibility, but um, you know, I think the most important thing is just contacting as soon as it is um, possible um, and then going from there. Mm. Yeah, it seems like with um, all these, like, government departments, there's always, like, some fine line that you've got to read. Definitely. And, and there's all these, like, steps that you've got to take, which is can be exhausting if you're dealing mm. with, like, a stressful situation, and then you've got the added stress of, yeah, doing the work, I guess, looking for the research. Um, exactly. So let's say you've taken all these steps, and um, there's still, like, issues in terms of, like, service providers and so on is there a way to escalate problems or complaints yes there is so um because that's really really well outlined on, on the centric website and pretty much they explain so if you have complaints or if you have issues um you can kind of file those um, complaints either in person at the service center Letter, MyGov, um, it's an online forum. Um, but um, another kind of important thing to note is that you can um, go to kind of Centrelink uh, and you can ask for a formal review. So if your um, claim has been rejected and you're unsatisfied with that response, you can ask for a formal review, which will provide another form of kind of assessment and overview, and that's going to give them back to you. Mm. Um, what I would say, though, is that um, sometimes um, this can be really overwhelming. I mean, if you already have been rejected and you're up against this, um, you know, this kind of government agency, mm. then being able to can step out and being able to go to Social Security Rights Victoria um, and they are an independent statewide community legal centre and what they do is they specialise exactly in um, Social Security and related law so they will provide um, advice and support and be able to kind of assist you in in kind of navigating um, the, kind of the difficulties with Centrelink by giving um get free legal advice um, and information. Excellent. Thank you so much. I hope the information, um, yeah, um, provides useful to our listeners who are in these sort of situations that are really difficult. So you've, I feel like you've made their life a tiny bit easier with the information <laughs> that you provided. Thank you, Liza. Yeah, you're most welcome. What I would say is that um, that was only kind of brief information. If mm. you did want more, go to um, wire.org.au and that's kind of got um, far more overview um, about um, financial abuse, um, family violence, and as well going to Social Security Rights Victoria and calling their advice line um, Mondays and Wednesdays, 9.30 to 12.30. Mm. And, and the yeah. wire number is... It's one three hundred one three four one three zero. Excellent. Thank you so much, Liza. Thank you. See you.
And that beautiful song that you just heard was called Fighting for Our Rights by Joe Gaia. So just a quick reminder that uh, a few minutes ago we played, we had an interview with Liza Costella from Wire Women's Information. I just want to make sure that everyone is, you know, listening and getting that number down because it's really important. So Wire Women's Information number is 1300-134-130. That's one three hundred one three four one three zero. Alternatively, you can call Legal Aid if um, if you're having issues with Centrelink or your job service provider or want to know more. Um, so that number for Legal Aid 
is 1-300-792-387. That's 1-300-792-387. And another number that is really important, we think, is the Unemployed Workers Union. So if you're on benefits and your job service provider is saying one thing, but you also know, mm, this sounds dodgy, there's a number for that. So that's 9811-7064. That's 9811-7064. Um, and the hours of operation are 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. 3CR's Radical Radio book is now on sale for just 30 You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history on sale for just $30. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. CCR is a community radio licence holder. What you hear on community radio is governed by the community radio codes of practice. The codes of practice cover matters relating to program content, including local content, news, current affairs, Australian music, programs for children and the responsibilities associated with broadcasting by and for the community. They also cover aspects such as community access and participation in the operation of this station. Copies of the code are available from the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash who we are. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR with myself, George, and Ayan. Got another great interview coming up. On the line, we have Carolyn Romada, who is an Australian human rights campaigner for women and girls with disabilities and the long-serving Executive Director of Women with Disabilities Australia. Thanks so much for joining us this morning, Carolyn. You're welcome. (laughs) So we're here to talk about disability rights now, a new report that's been put to the UN. Can you tell us how this report was put together? Um, Sure. So the report was put together over uh, quite a period of time and based on extensive um, research and consultations with people with disability from around Australia and also drawing together um, various reports, government reports, submissions. Um, so it's, it, it's um, brought together a whole heap of different um, evidence base. And also one of the things we did, we had a national um, working group that um, helped to compile the report made up of about 18 um, individuals from various organisations around the country. And that national working group, we put together a survey um, and put that out online um, to ask some general questions of people with disability. And we had 
um, around a bit over a thousand responses, which is wow. quite a lot in a really short time frame. Yeah. We, I think we only had a couple of weeks for people to respond and we were really surprised and um, delighted with that, obviously, that response rate. So the response um, responses to that survey also helped um, inform the report. Yeah, that's, that's really good that it wasn't just about the work of the organisations but actually reaching out to various communities to get their input as well. Absolutely. So can you tell us a bit more about the, the survey and the responses? Sure. Well, the survey, uh, Australia is a signatory uh, under the Convention on the Rights of People with Disability, and that's, um, that's what our report uh, was about, looking at how Australia um, is uh, complying with its treaty obligations, how it's implementing that treaty in Australia, um, and so um, we looked at uh, the we asked questions in the survey um, and our consultations with people with disability. We asked questions that uh, sort of from each of the articles of the treaty. So for example, we asked them questions around transport, questions around government information, questions around um, access to buildings, uh, you know, their rights to parent, um, all sorts of things, but can, in line with the Convention on the Rights of Pe- Persons with Disability. So the survey was quite quite extensive, um, the questions, and, um, yeah, the, a lot of people gave, like, not only answered the questions but provided a lot of sort of free comment responses. So it was incredibly rich, you know, raw data as well. And that seems really important given that I think often when we have these like UN treaties, they kind of exist up here at this really high level. (laughs) And often people don't even know that these treaties exist that are meant to be for them. And then actually looking at specific parts of the treaty and whether, yeah, whether these rights are actually being upheld, I think that's a really important process. Yeah, definitely. And we have, Australia is a signatory to seven international um, human rights treaties and the um, uh, the Convention on the Rights of People with Disability is just one of those treaties, mm. um, one of those seven. But you're quite right. I mean, it's, um, it's not good enough for a country just to sign up to one of these treaties yeah. and ratify them. Um, but in doing so, there is an expectation that... Um, that they are to be implemented at a domestic level. Yes. Um, and so um, that's really critical for all of the treaties. But but this one, um, particularly for people um, with disability, because the, um, Australia signed up to this convention uh, in 2007 and it entered into force in Australia in 2008. So that's, that's 11 years ago. Um, and um, what we found in our in our survey and um, our report goes to this, is that we really haven't progressed very well at all, um, you know, in advancing and promoting the human rights of people with disability. Mm. In fact, in some areas we've gone backwards. And so because you've stated that Australia is in fact breaching its human rights commitments to people with disabilities. Yeah, definitely. Particularly in a a range of areas, like... Mm. 
and I suppose what I'd like to, to mention is um, particular egregious uh, human rights violations. So, for example, forced sterilisation, largely happening to women and girls with disability, is still legal and sanctioned by Australian governments, that practice. And so since 2005, the United Nations, uh, from a range of treaty monitoring bodies, has been categorically urging the Australian government to develop national legislation prohibiting the sterilisation of a mm-hmm. child um, and prohibiting sterilisation of an adult without their prior informed and full consent. Um, and yet uh, the Australian government or successive Australian governments have not acted on any of those recommendations to such a, a serious, egregious violation of someone's human rights. Absolutely. So for sterilisation is just one example. Another, um, another example uh, is um, the indefinite detention of people with disability, particularly... Uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander First Peoples um, with disability. So if we, um, you know, often we have Aboriginal people with disability who end up in jails not convicted of a crime um, that, that will end up languishing in jails because they are deemed unfit to plead. So they may have an intellectual disability or a psychosocial disability, cognitive impairment, um, and they're deemed un- unfit to plead. So they're, um, you know, put into jail under, um, and just left there um, without even, uh, without a conviction. And, and sometimes they can be there for years and years. Um, and, and that, I mean, I think these types of... Um, human rights violations of people with disability are just really shameful um, in a country that is a wealthy country that should actually be setting the standard for, you know, human rights. Um, And I think it's just, uh, yeah, just really shameful that that we still have practices um, like forced sterilisation, yeah. forced contraception, um, and you know indefinite detention of of people with disability. Um, it, you know, it's it's just uh, and and you know forced psychiatry. I mean, I could go on and on. We could be here yeah. all day, George. Yeah, and and I guess with both of these issues, and among other issues that are related to this topic, it's the fact that I think a lot of people aren't really aware. If you told a lot of people we still have forced sterilisation of certain groups of people in Australia, they would say, "Oh, that's ridiculous. That doesn't happen." You know, there isn't a, an understanding that this is something that affects various communities. Absolutely, um, and you're quite right because we hear that we often hear that when we do talk about the issue of forced sterilization um and and it does still occur in australia uh and people say oh no 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 as if that would happen you know in some you know somewhere else definitely not australia but in fact there's no question that it that it happens here we're also looking at things like um you know very concerned around um the segregation of uh, students with disabilities. So um, we're seeing an, uh, there's actually been an increase in the segregation of students with disabilities into what you know special schools rather than right. mainstream environments. 
um, that's actually, you know, a real concern because um, students with disability, children with disability have a right to go to, you know, mainstream schools and, um, you know, it's part of being an inclusive um, society. Uh, and yet we're seeing um, more and more kids with disabilities, um, you know, go, going to special schools, not, not into mainstream yeah. environments. I feel like we'll have to ask you one again to talk about that issue in particular, a lot of these issues which obviously are very complex. Um, but just because we're running out of time, I want to quickly oh, get to sorry, a few. George. No, no, absolutely yep. not. Um, really, yeah, I think that's also a really important topic. Um, but you've also, uh, I guess there's issues around the NDAS. Can you give us a bit of information about that? Um, sure. The National Disability Insurance Scheme was... Uh, uh, you know, a, a major concern of people with um, who completed the survey and other sort of consultation work that we did. Um, now, I think, you know, I should preface it by saying that um, people with disability very, very much believe in the scheme and the NDIS, very committed to the scheme. But it's more to do with um, the scheme's imp- implementation. People with disability are finding the the planning um, process extremely complex, difficult to understand, um, not knowing, you know, necessarily where to go to get information, lengthy waiting times. I mean, I could talk a lot about yeah. some of the issues, but um, we also found that not all eligible participants are benefiting from the NDIS, particularly um, uh, people with psychosocial disability, mm. uh, Indigenous people, even, um, you know, if, if we look at the gendered nature, there's, there's clear gender in, inequity in the, in the scheme, um, across all jurisdictions and states and territories, um, the percentage of female participants, um, is at, uh, less than 37%. Right. Yeah. Um, so we're really concerned that, um, uh, you know, that, that the NDIS isn't reaching women and girls. And that they're, um, you know, that that's a really concerning statistic, 37%, yeah. and that's and it's much lower in some areas. Um, so yeah, a lot of the concerns were to do with the um, the implementation of the scheme rather than the scheme itself. And so, just as my final question, what what happens now that this report has been put out there? Okay, so in early September. Um, a delegation of people with disability will go to Geneva and um, present this report or, or speak to this report with the uh, committee on the rights of people with disability. Um, the Australian Australia will, will be reviewed by the committee, so the Australian an Australian government delegation will also attend and they're, they're required to ask a series of questions. Um, and the civil society delegation made up of people with disability, they also attend and work with the committee. Um, and the committee will use this report, Disability Rights Now, um, and the information in it to uh, help them actually, um, you know, devise questions for the Australian government delegation. Um, it's just another um, part of the sort of information that they will use uh, and at the end of that uh, review period in um, the first week of September, um, 
then a couple of weeks, probably a few weeks later, the committee will issue what is called or almost like their their assessment of Australia's compliance with the treaty. And they will release um, what are called concluding observations, which uh, will, will contain recommendations to the Australian government about what they need to do to advance um, the rights of people with disability and to... Uh, speed up compliance with the the treaty. Thanks so much, Carolyn. It would be great to speak to you again to hear more about this as this process goes ahead. It's obviously an extremely important issue. Thank you so much for highlighting what is going on in this space. Thank you very much for having me, George. You have a lovely day. You too. Bye. Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 0394198377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to P.O. Box 1277, Collingwood 3066. And be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. Welcome back. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. That was such an incredible interview, George. Oh my God. I, you know, we were during the, um, I was going to say during the commercial break, but during the break, we were talking about how you mentioned, um, that a lot of us would be shocked if we heard that people were being sterilized. Like, like, no, not in Australia, not in this day and age. Yeah. But it's happening. Yeah. Definitely something we need to be talking about more and understanding who's being targeted by those policies. Mm. Yeah. Another fantastic interview. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad you're back. Oh, it's so good that. to be back. <laughs> so, um, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Tony Morrison passed away. She passed away at the age of 88. Um, she lived, by all accounts, a very fruitful life. She's... Um, contributed to literary um to literary canon she's also contributed to just the way we think about writing the way we think about um you know writing from a perspective that we know and she always wrote in a like a vernacular right so and she was able to win huge awards because of that because a lot of us think we've got to write in a certain way to be able to you know get all these like prestigious awards and so on um so Toni Morrison was an editor at Random House. So she was an editor there for like 20 plus years. And she, during that time, she edited Angela Davis's autobiography. Yeah, in 1973, I think, or wow, 74. that's awesome. I know. There's, <laughs> there's a photo that people have been sharing um, when Toni um, Morrison passed away. And it was a picture of Angela Davis and Toni Morrison walking down the street <laughs> oh in God. the 70s with their big afros. <laughs> oh, it was so beautiful. And she also counted her as a friend. They were friends for like five decades. So they wow. had a long, beautiful friendship. Yeah, um, yeah I'm not surprised by yeah, that at all. Of Two course. incredibly powerful women. <laughs> it makes sense, hey. Yeah. Um, 
so she won the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1993 for an amazing novel, Beloved. I'm not sure if you've read that. There's also a movie adaptation of the book. So it's a story about an, an enslaved African-American woman who um, mur- kills her child um, just so her child doesn't have to um, be forced into slavery and just the outcome of that and um, the fact that she has to live with that and so on. Um, hopefully I didn't <laughs> give any spoilers <laughs> with that. I just realized I could have given a spoiler. Um, she was also awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom um, by then President Obama, Barack Obama in 2012. She's remembered not only for her prolific writing, but she, but by the people, but by the way she wrote for, like, but sorry, but the people that she wrote about, um, and that she wasn't, you know, she, I never the the opinion that I have of her is that she never felt like she had to write a certain way in order to be accepted, right? Um, so we're now going to play a 1998 interview um, that she did with journalist Charlie Rose. So in this interview, Toni Morrison explains um, why she doesn't write novels um, for, well, novels that center white people, and she's not apologetic about it. And it's, I feel like it's an interview that really... Um, highlights just how staunch she was about the people that she centered and her response is eloquent and one that you definitely should check out. I think once I ask you the question, can you imagine writing a novel that's not centered mm-hmm. about race? And you said absolutely. Yes. Will you? That's what he asked me. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, see, I answered the question he didn't pose. You know, um, Tolstoy writes about race. Yeah. All the time. Um, so does Zola. So does James Joyce. Now, if anybody can go up to an imaginary James Joyce and say, you write about race all the time. It's central in your novels. When are you going to write about what? Because you see, the person who asks that question doesn't understand that he is also, he or she is also raced. So to ask me when am I going to stop, and, or when, if I can, is to ask a question that, in a, in a sense, is its own answer. Yes, I can write about white people. White people can write about black people. Anything can happen in art. There are no boundaries there. Having to do it or having to prove that I can do it is what was embarrassing or insulting. In this book, I did. It was insulting that people... Help me understand. What was insulting? The the idea that you felt like you had to prove that you could write... Yeah, the question was posed as though it were a desirable thing to do, to write about white people or to write not about race. That's what that means to me. Um, And that it was a difficult thing to do, a higher level of artistic endeavor, or it was more important uh, that I was still writing about marginal people, and why don't I come into the mainstream? Aren't you importing too much into the question? Maybe. 
I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, what could else could it be, Charlie? What What does that mean? What does that question mean? You tell me if I'm making too much. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that you, you... I don't think it probably means... I didn't ask the question, so I don't think it probably means... But I don't think it had to do about you were marginalizing by not writing about... It only works if I can go to William Styron... Well, maybe not William Styron because he has done it. Um, somebody, major white and say as a journalist can you write about black people that's right can i say that what kind of question is that to put to ed doctorow who has done it by the way sure. <laughs> but i mean if i can say when are you going to write about black people to a white writer if that's a legitimate question to a white writer then it is a legitimate question to me i just don't think it is you know, so you have, the glove has to be pulled inside out. If it's, it's, in other words, it's not a literary question. It has nothing to do with the literary imagination. It's a sociological question that should not be put to, to me. It should, I couldn't ask that of any writer who was, you know, I wouldn't ask it of a black writer when you're going to write about white people. Now, maybe I'm wrong. You can tell me now or later if I've blown it up all out of proportion. I don't think so. I just don't know what the question means except what I think it means. You think it may just be a little question, a little curious, you know, small incidental question. When, when are you going to... Maybe I'm responding because I have had reviews in the past that have accused me of not writing about white people. I remember a review of Sula in which the reviewer said, this is all well and good, but one day she, meaning me, will have to face up to the real responsibilities and get mature and write about the real uh, confrontation for black people, which is white people. As though our lives have no meaning and no depth without the white gaze. And I've spent my entire writing life trying to make sure that the white gaze was not the dominant one in any of my books. And the people who helped me most arrive at that kind of language were African writers. Chinua Achebe, Bessie Head. Those writers who could assume the centrality of their race because they were Africans. And they didn't explain anything to white people. Those questions were incomprehensible to them. Those questions that I would have as a minority living in an all-white country like the United States. But when I read um, the poetry of Cesar or the poetry of Senghor or the novels particularly, Things Fall Apart was more important to me than anything. Only because there was a language, there was a posture, there were the parameters. I could step in now, and I didn't have to be consumed by or be concerned by the white gaze. That was the liberation for me. It has nothing to do with who reads the books. Everyone, I hope, of any race, any gender, any country. But my sovereignty and my authority 
as a racialized person had to be struck immediately with the very first book. And it was strange because in this country, many books, particularly then, uh, 40s, 50s, you could feel the address of the narrator over my shoulder talking to somebody else, talking to somebody white. I could tell because they were explaining things that they didn't have to explain if they were talking to me. Hmm. It was that. So this is a, it's profound for me. So that I may be, you may be right, maybe I'm over-dramatizing the whole question, which was innocent enough, because the problem of being free to write the way you wish to without this other racialized gaze is a serious one for an African-American writer. Very serious. I think this is one of those times where what you just said, you gave and ennobled an answer regardless of the significance <laughs> well, <that's good. laughs> of the question. Ah. <laughs> uh, do you Oof. like that, George? Yeah, that was, that was really cool. And it seems like... I don't know. Do you think that that's just as relevant today than it was in 1998, that conversation? Um, everything was relevant up to the bit where she said anybody could write about anybody. Right. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I was wondering what that. you thought about that. Because it was 1998. Yeah. But also, I think she means, well, I like to think what Toni Morrison meant is obviously you can write about anybody, but you obviously would have to write it in a way that's respectful, not not like a character, not tokenistic. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, she was always about, you know, writing about real people and not just like uh, like a figment of our imagination. So yep. I would like to think that's, that's what she meant. But I did pick up, especially your art, like I was looking at you as the interviewer <laughs> thing, and especially when um, Charlie Rose was like, are you sure you're not imagining this? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> your face was so adorable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, that was um, interesting. Yeah. She has a good way of um, like basically telling the uh, the interviewer that they're wrong in a kind of with, like in this very kind of I don't know how to describe it, but yeah. she's she just like keeps her cool. She's like, yeah, this is this, <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you why. She was so respectful, <laughs> very very respectful. Yeah. So um yeah, so that's all there is for Tuesday breakfast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our incredible guests today, yeah. Liza and Carolyn. Thank you so much. And up next uh, is Accent of Woman. Yo, Lauren, 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 Lauren,